Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, Screen the Screener College Basketball listeners out there. So thank you for you to tune in. Welcome to the pod. Thanks always for tuning in. We talk everything college hoops. Thank you for tuning in, carving out some time. You could have been anywhere else on the dial, but you're here with us. Mike and Gus and tonight a special guest and we appreciate that. Uh, we'd like to welcome in. Jonathan Warner, he is at Bracketologist3 on Twitter, and you can find his work in print on the web, bracketologist3.wordpress.com. Uh, Jonathan, welcome into the podcast. Thanks for jumping in. Thanks for having me. I appreciated to uh, come on here, so talk a little college hoops. We thought it would be appropriate to bring you on to the podcast because February 11th, which is like a nicely framed uh, show for our sport, college basketball. They're going to do their first like bracket release as far as the top 16 teams go. So Jonathan, you're constantly putting out brackets. Let's just jump right into this. Who do you think those 16 teams are going to be? So I'm starting out with the one seeds. Obviously, Villanova and Virginia are one and two, and they basically have the same resume. Six and one, group one wins, five and oh against group two teams. The only difference is Virginia's played a little bit of a tougher schedule, but like they're basically the same team resume wise. Purdue's a solid two. And then Kansas is my fourth number one seed. Uh, they have eight group one wins, uh, which leads actually everyone. They also have the number two strength of schedule. So that's what got them in over the Dukes, the Auburns of the world. Two seeds Auburn, Duke. Clemson and Xavier. Okay. Then as three seeds, Tennessee, who's got a really sneaky good resume. Oklahoma's got a lot of group one wins, so that's what got them into three seed. Kentucky's also kind of got a good resume, and so they snuck it in as a three seed. And then Cincinnati, who just 20 and two on the season, four and two against group one teams, seemed like a good pick. Uh, yeah, Mike Rand will be very happy about that uh, Cincinnati pick for sure. So he'll be happy that they have a three seed next to their name in your bracket, Jonathan. Well done so far. Who do you got uh, finishing up and for the four seeds? North Carolina is the first of the number four seeds. Uh, they mm-hmm. Do have seven losses, which is kind of uh, bad for this time of year, but they have the number one strength of schedule. They're five and five or group one or tier one teams. So seem like a good team. Seton Hall. I really like this team going far in the tournament. 17 and five, four and four against group one teams. Texas Tech, who's got a really good resume and has that win at Kansas, which Only Arizona State can claim they won at Allen Fieldhouse. And then Arizona, the 
Pac-12 winner seems like a logical choice to have at the four. Michigan State got left out of this, which is kind of like the one team I do see getting left out of this come February 11th. They have the 21 and three record, but like their strength of schedule is in the 90s. They just have two group one wins. So their resume isn't there right now. Uh, I think they'll eventually at some point be in the top four seeds, but for now, wow, just no. Okay. So it seems like the upcoming schedule is going to qualify and clear up some of these things that you just were talking about. Obviously, the the Seton Hall Villanova game that could really help Seton Hall hold on to that four spot or go a little bit higher. Obviously, Missouri and Kansas. Uh, I'm sorry, Missouri and Kentucky this weekend. That's that's a big deal. And I think that per, looking forward, that Purdue Michigan State game obviously plays heavily into this uh, situation of seeding as well. So the the, the schedule coming up is going to leave a lot of things. That still need to get decided here. It's one of the things the listeners really look forward to on the podcast, uh, Jonathan, is is the mid-major flavor. So dive a little bit deeper into your particular bracket. And and are there any mis- mid-majors out there with a realistic shot to get an at-large bid? And they're not going to be like singularly relying on the co- automatic bid from the conference tournament. So what what, what are those mid-majors that can are in the running for an actual at-large bid? Okay, so I... Kind of start out, I qualify a mid-major as a team outside the Power 7. So that would include, mid-major would be A-10 and the Mountain West included. So to start, Rhode Island is a five seed in my bracketology that will come out tomorrow. They don't have the necessarily group one wins, but they have an RPI at nine right now. It's hard to see them not being a lock at this point in the season. Nevada, similar thing. I have them as a seven seed just because they have one more loss, a little bit worse strength of schedule. They're 19 and four on the season. They will have more chances to collect better wins. So if they both teams ended up with a basically the same record come selection Sunday, Nevada would probably be seated higher. Jump in for a second. Do you think if that's a situation, do you think that head-to-head game is going to play uh, a major role because of those two mid-majors having such a similar uh, schedule uh, towards the end of the season? It definitely would play a role just because Nevada has the win over Rhode Island. Even though it was in the first week of the season, they still might look at that. But I look at Nevada as kind of a lock as well to make the tournament. Nice, nice. I I like what you're saying so far. St. Mary's... And Gonzaga, obviously, are two really good mid-major teams. St. Mary's resume right now looks better, even though they didn't challenge themselves at all in non-conference play. Their RPI is 28 at the moment, 22-2. and And the one thing is they're 2-0 and against Group 1 teams. Uh, if they could beat Gonzaga, that would maybe move them to 3-0 uh, right. and move them towards a lock come NCAA tournament time. Gonzaga's not necessarily a lock looking at their Interesting. resume. Really? Okay. How how come? Tell us why. They have the wins. They're four and three against teams, but their RPI right now at sitting at fifty seven is not looking good. Mm. Plus they still have to play BYU twice and St. Mary's. Now if they could win all three of those games, they'd probably move themselves into lock position. But for now, they're, I think, in, but not a lock to be in. Okay, interesting. So a little change of fortune from last year for Gonzaga Bulldogs. In your expert eyes, 
if you're taking a look at just your giant list of mid-majors, do you have a list of teams of mid-majors that you think can win a game in the tournament? Maybe pulling that upset or maybe just playing really well like Rhodey or Nevada and continuing their high quality play. So what are give me give us a list of a, a couple of mid-majors that might be able to win a game in the tournament. Obviously, Rhode Island, who I think could make a run similarly to 1998 when they made it to the Elite Eight, is sure. definitely a team that could win the tournament. Nevada, with their positionless basketball, they could obviously make a run. Both Gonzaga and St. Mary's, they have NBA-type talents that can win in the tournament. Mill Tennessee, Gay Potts, Nick King, obviously... They've already won yes, sir, two years on that in a row. One. I mean, why not a third year in a row? Western Kentucky, if they were to make it, they have the transfers, Darius Thompson and Dwight Colby to go along with Hollingsworth. Mm-hmm. So that team's already beaten Purdue. I mean, why not win in the tournament? Uh, New Mexico Makes State. Sense. As a, I've similarly, because I have Miami as a five and New Mexico State as a 12. They already beat Miami, who was a five at the time. Vermont, I- if Anthony Lamb returns to go along with Trey Bell Haynes, who's been playing excellent all season. That's a team who could easily win in the tournament. And then you look at teams like Florida Gulf Coast, South Dakota State with Brandon Goodwin, Mike Dumb. I mean, they could get hot, win a game in the tournament. So there's there's a lot uh, of majors this year who could easily win a game in the tournament. Okay, so I guess the next question is, Mike and I talk about this on the podcast often. We didn't like, you know, script this up, but is this the year a 16 is finally going to be to one? Do you think a Florida Gulf Coast is a 16 seed that they'll have a chance to beat a one seed. With the way the ones look this year, Purdue, Villanova, Virginia, Kansas, I mean, maybe someone beats Kansas, but I don't see it happening this year. Oh, man. I mean, if you're going to talk Virginia, they're going to D the pants off of you. You're talking Villanova. They're, they're one of the most efficient offensive teams in Villanova history, and that's saying something. Kansas is always Kansas. And then Purdue, Purdue does it on both ends. You you got to like both, all four of your one seeds that you have lined up. All right. So in your eyes, take take that list of mid-majors. What team could possibly make a deep run? And we're saying deep run. Let's go back to the Rhode Island team that you referenced that made that Elite Eight run or maybe that Dayton team that made Elite Run or maybe even a VCU team that made it all the way to the Final Four or Butler that made it to back-to-back championship games. What mid-major in your eyes could possibly make that type of run to the Elite Eight or beyond? I think Rhode Island's that team, E.C. Matthews, Jared Terrell, just playing excellent. Maybe, you know, Mike uh, Randall did the podcast 1988 in 2018 with the Joe Lenari bracketology. Maybe they right. do it again in 2018. Never wouldn't know. That be, wouldn't that be... Uh, that'd be kind of poetic, wouldn't it? I, I kind of agree with you exactly. with URI. They are dominating the A-10. They have guards out the yin-yang. Like you mentioned, Matthews and Terrell are high-level guards. Those guys are going to play in the league, whether it's a cup of coffee or get a couple contracts, that's for sure. When we hear all of this bracketology talk the next week after the Super Bowl is over and leading up to that uh, February 11th show, open the door for the listeners here. Give us like three or four elements that you give attention to when you're building your bracket each week and every other day when you're trying to put teams and uh, align them in the proper spaces and with the proper seed number next to them. What are three or four elements that that you're really paying attention to and that are important to you that we might hear on that February 11th show leading up? Okay, the two things I look at the most are 
RPI and wins, I kind of break it down, like get teams into a similar basis RPI wise. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of look at how many group one wins, how many group two wins you have. Usually like that will determine where teams are seeded. So like I mentioned earlier, Kansas has is a one seed because they have eight tier one wins, whereas no team. Right. So, such is life in the Big 12. That makes sense. That, that Yeah. And then I guess moving forward, talk about like the tiers or the group wins. Talk to the listeners about how do you correlate tier one wins with tier two wins or group one wins with group two wins. And or, or losses, maybe translate it a little bit for the listeners out there of what they should be listening for or looking for when those terms are going to get used over and over again in the coming, you know, in the coming weeks, in the coming month. Okay, so the tier system is like the idea based. It's much harder to play away from your home arena than it is to play an on-campus game. So like, so the tier ones are are broken down into this. So ideally, the you play the 30th uh, ranked team in the RPI at home is essentially equivalent to playing the 75th ranked RPI team on the road and the 50th ranked RPI team on a neutral court. Then you look at tier two, 31 through 75 RPI teams at home, 51 through 100 on a neutral court. And then on the road, teams 76 through 133 are tier two. The committee is wanting you to go on the road and essentially stay away from the teams at the bottom of the RPI. Yeah, so they, they, they're they obviously changing the particulars here and saying like, hey, don't just sit at home and take some buy games. Let's get out there. Let's play some neutral court games. Go to somebody else, do a home and home, get something rolling and, and challenge yourself a little bit. And then we're going to reward you with this system. So it's nice that they have the system in place. And then the coaches and the programs know what they're getting themselves into and what the rewards can be. Thank you for straightening that out for the listeners out there and breaking it down by like ranking and by number and what that translates to for a home game, neutral site game and road game. Let's do a let's do a, a quick preview for the people out there of a, a couple of games that are going on uh, this weekend and then moving on into Wednesday. One of the games that I'm going to be paying attention to for sure, uh, we mentioned this as one of the big games for this program, Gonzaga-BYU. Jonathan, what do you think is going to happen out in the West Coast Conference in this particular game? Give us a quick rundown. I think Gonzaga has last year when BYU stopped their perfect regular season in the final game. I think they have that on their mind. And so Gonzaga, I think, takes care of business winning this game, I think, by 20 or maybe even more. I'm kind of with you on them going back into the memory bank and remembering that game, which was also senior night, and then BYU crushing that perfect season that Gonzaga had rolling. So I'm with you on that by 20. I like the bold prediction. Uh, Let's go to the grind the grind that is the Big East. You mentioned both of these teams are going to get in that top 16 show, Seton Hall with a five, with a four seed and, and Nova with one of the number one seeds. All right, what's going to happen in the game when they match up? Seton Hall and Nova this weekend, who you got? This game will be close throughout. I don't think Villanova runs away with it. However, I think down the stretch, Jalen Brunson, Mikhail Bridges, 
Dante DiVincenzo, they'll make enough shots to give Villanova the win. So you're saying tight, but Villanova pulls away late. Have like okay. a 87-79 type game. All right, I like the final score prediction there. I'm not sure if Nova's going to know what to do with Angel Delgado. And unfortunately, I think in this game, I think the referees are going to have a say in what happens due to Nova's shortened bench, uh, Seton Hall's reliance on those four uh, on those four seniors, and Powell as well. So I, I like a close game too. I'm going to say give me Seton Hall on the points, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is the game that uh, Nova drops in the Big East. All right, let's go to Oklahoma and Texas. We'll go to the Big 12. Do you think Texas is going to bounce back after that tough overtime loss to Texas Tech? Is Trey Young going to keep doing his thing here? Give us a little uh, give us a little rundown. What's going to happen in the Big 12 with Oklahoma and Texas? Well, I think Texas is rated as one of the best Big 12 defensive teams. So I imagine Shaka Smarts and company will have a good defensive game plan. Obviously, I think Trey Young will still get his numbers. But I think Texas will get the win in this one. Ooh, nice. Jonathan calling for the upset here. I like that. I'm kind of leaning with you. I talked about this. Uh, Mike and I talked about it on the podcast uh, earlier this week. I think Texas got really close. They tasted how close they were to a big win. I think they match up kind of athletically with Trey Young on the perimeter, Coleman and, and Jones and, and Roche. Um, so I think they're going to make him get uncomfortable and work for those numbers that you mentioned he's going to get. And I can see Bamba being a really dis- a big disruptor in that game as well. How about we go uh, out West? Let's give uh, the Pac-12 a little love. Is Arizona going to run into trouble going to Washington this weekend? Is, that, uh, is this going to be another game where Arizona is going to be sweating this one out? What's going to happen with Arizona and Washington? Arizona has been playing with fire a little bit too much recently. Tough games where they won against Colorado and Utah. Now, they blew out Washington State last night, but I think Washington picks up the upset win over Arizona. Ooh, two upsets in a row from Jonathan. I like the flavor you're bringing on the podcast. I am going to go the other way here really quickly. I think I think Aiton is going to find some seams in the zone that Washington runs, and I think he's going to get a couple of easy putbacks. And I think those easy putbacks are going to be the difference and the margin in this game. I also think I think that Trier is going to find uh, some space inside the zone. I wouldn't be surprised if they place him right above the nail, and then he kind of operates the offense from that point, and then makes a couple of mid-range jumpers, which is an underrated part of his game. So I can see I like Arizona in this game for a couple of reasons. So I'm going to go the other way on you here. Let's head to what used to be an old-school Big East matchup back in the day, but now is an ACC matchup. Who do you like with Louisville and Syracuse? I like the Cardinal. Uh, I think the backcourt of Dangadel and Quentin Snyder will get the Cardinal a nice win. Uh, so I'll go Louisville. I think the cumulative effect of Syracuse playing UVA is going to come back to bite them in this game against Louisville. So give me Louisville with the win. I'm with you on that one. And let's finish up with uh, Monday night's big uh, showdown framed game. Let's go with West Virginia and Oklahoma again. Is Oklahoma going to run into trouble and lose two in a row this weekend? It could easily happen if they lose to Texas, obviously. Javon Carter, you know, is going to be a pest to Trey Young. He'll force him into a bad night. So Oklahoma's going to need someone else to have a big game. I think this is the Brady Manic type game. Uh, Very nice. If he's in the corner shooting threes and making them, 
I think the Sooners win. I mean, it could easily go West Virginia as well. Uh, I think West Virginia always runs into this like midseason swoon, always seems to get off to a hot, hot start and then take on a little losing streak, whether it be the Big 12 or just like their, you know, immense outpouring of effort early on in the season. <laughs> Sometimes that might catch up with them. But here's what I'm going to say about this game. Trey Young, welcome to life in the NBA. You got to go up against Texas's backcourt and then you got to face West Virginia. This is what's going to be like 82 nights a year. So Trey Young, I'm going to say, put this in the memory bank for a year from now when you're in the NBA and be like, oh yeah, I remember when I had to face Texas and West Virginia back to back in the Big 12. I think I kind of know how to navigate this. Um, so I'm interested to see how he navigates both of those teams and both of those backcourts, which are really athletic and obviously effort in a big way. Let's not forget about the Super Bowl, Super Bowl weekend. Jonathan, you got your eyes on anything for Super Bowl? You invested in either one of these teams. You got some prop bets going. You're looking forward to the commercials. You got a big giant sub or pizza coming your way. What do we got going for the Super Bowl, Jonathan? I generally just watch the game. I'll pick the Patriots to win. Maybe Tom Brady goes out a champion. Maybe not. You think he might retire? Who knows? No way. I mean, he's kind of like he's up there in age. Uh, I'm not certain of anything, but never know. He's going to keep drinking his spinach shakes and play another couple of years, whether it be for the Patriots or other place. I'm looking forward to Timberlake at halftime. I'm looking forward to just JT. My, my, my daughter is like Justin Timberlake. I'm looking forward to enjoying that with them. And then let's get out of here on this one. Let's not forget to wish everybody a happy Groundhog's Day, right? Poxitani Phil was popping out, taking a look to see if uh, we're going to have a couple more weeks of winter. The question is, will we see Bill Murray star Groundhog's Day in San Antonio, Texas this year, and will Xavier make the Final Four? Jonathan, time to shine. Give us your Final Four. Are we going to see Bill Murray there, or are we going to see some other people there? Bill Murray will not be there because Xavier is going to lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament. They've oh! been playing with fire against East Tennessee State, St. John's, DePaul. In the NCAA tournament, they get bit. Wow. Bold statement. I like it. That hurts my Final Four pick. But keep going. I want to hear yours now. So I'll go Virginia. They've been knocking kind of at the door recently. They just haven't had the offense to get it done. But I think with Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, I watched the Louisville game and late down the stretch, Ty Jerome just onions, onions again. Those type of that shots. Guy, that, guy, that, that guy is not afraid to pull from anywhere. He is he he is ruthless. So I think Virginia gets it done this year. Villanova's just a machine. And then they have, as you said earlier, their best offensive team. So be hard to pick against them. I kind of look at Kansas just because they've kind of knocked at the door of getting to the Final Four. I kind of think of Florida in 2014 when they came off back-to-back Elite Eight losses. They got it done in 2014. So I think that, yeah, seven, that will hold seven true. Seed, right? or I believe it was a one seed in 2014. So I think Kansas knocks on the door and finally gets into that Final Four. And then I'm going to go, because the SEC just has been so dominant this year, I couldn't feel I could leave out an SEC team. So I went with uh, Tennessee, a great defense. Uh, and then you you love the bigs, so obviously Grant Williams is Ugh. great inside. So He, he is a beast in there. Okay, four. so review, you got UVA, dominant defense, Nova, absolutely efficient on offense from three, from two, from the foul line. You got Kansas. Maybe this is their year. Imagine if Kansas wins the Big 12 after getting questioned all preseason and leading up. 
and then makes a Final Four on top of that, man, Bill Spelf will be smiling about that. And then I love the surprise team, Tennessee. They were picked, I don't know, 11th, 12th, 13th in the SEC, and now they're going to make a Final Four. Man, I kind of like the sound of that. Jonathan, can you give the people uh, one more time uh, where they can find your stuff? You can hit up Jonathan on Twitter at Bracketologist3. Uh, Jonathan, where can they find your things in print? Bracketologist3.wordpress.com. Daily Bracketology will be coming out with a new one tomorrow morning. I also have Player of the Year rankings, which are going to be coming out Friday, as well as weekly top 25s before the AP poll comes out on Monday. Beating the AP to the punch. I like that. So listeners out there, if you're looking for another thing to get your brain ready for college basketball, get your brain ready for March, Get your mind set for the tournament. Jonathan's going to give you the preview with his bracketology. He does an awesome job. I really like your uh, top 10 players of the year write-up. That's my my favorite thing that you do. And then he's uh, getting into the prediction business. He's going to give you some game predictions a couple of the nights during the week. So uh, hit up Jonathan in all those areas and and get educated, people. And Jonathan, thanks for jumping on the podcast, man. We totally appreciate having you on. Having you on. No problem. Enjoyed coming on. Thank you. Yeah, Yo, you're welcome. No problem. Uh, if you like what you're listening to, listeners, hit us up on Twitter at SDS Podcast. Love interacting with you guys, catching up, and hearing what your thoughts are on the games or what Mike and I, or in this case, Jonathan, are saying to you guys through the speakers or through your earbuds. If you'd like to email the show, please do. Hit us up at SDSPodcast at gmail.com. If you really, really like what you're listening to, don't be afraid. Leave some kind words on an iTunes review. And if you leave those kind words, Mike and I will give you a little shout out, a little hoy on the podcast. So please spread some kindness this uh, Groundhog Weekend and Super Bowl weekend. Listeners, cheers. Salancha, gratulatia, arigat. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.